This is uh, Dunkin' Donuts Dunkin Coffee. Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> Coffee. Hey, man, that's that's classically good stuff. Yeah. The, Bra- mean, the Brahms coffee used to be fantastic, but uh, that that is not as good as it used to be for whatever reasons. I'm not. I've never had Brahms coffee. I don't think it used to be really, really good, and now it's just uh, mediocre. They just make it for for sale there, or do they actually distribute beans and stuff? You can you can buy the beans and oh, stuff okay. there, but uh, it, it is what it is. Should, should we go ahead and roll? Let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Shiftless. Coming at you once again from the back porch of Chateau de Chef Green. <laughs> and uh, just an, another glorious morning at the moment. I thought it was going to be a little chilly, but uh, this is about right. It is about right. I've got a jacket on currently. It's going to be jacket off in just a little bit. Not, not, not too far down the road. Not too far down the road at all. Got the steam kettle in the background. Yeah. More <laughs> coffee on the way. Hell yeah. <laughs> my beautiful bride making some coffee. <clears throat> oh, my gracious. So, you had a hectic weekend this past weekend, or, or was this your off weekend? This was my this was my off weekend. Okay, okay. But we did uh, make a a trip to Oklahoma to see Cody Johnson. That's right. That's right. That's right. I have to tell you, if you've never been to Paycom, which I guess what is what they're calling the building now. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sure it's much like Dallas, where well, they, whoever the sponsor yeah, is. Yeah, it's currently, but it's where the Oklahoma City Thunder plays. Okay. So uh, Gage kept calling it the Thunderdome. That was one of the best concert-going experiences I've ever had as far as parking and leaving. Okay. We pulled up. We parked, like, across the street, basically. I mean, from here to that windmill from the stadium. cost us 10 bucks. Walked it. Right across the street, walked straight in. I mean, went through security. Sure, sure. Um, concert was over. Walked straight out. Right across. I mean, it took us longer to get across the street than it did for us to get on the interstate. Wow. Pulled straight out of the parking lot. Took one turn. Merged onto the interstate. Gone. It was pretty, pretty impressive. I mean... We've all sat in those concert oh lines my God, yes. <laughs> for an hour and a half where everybody's jockeying for position and trying to cut in and cutting across the parking lot. I used, I used to always jump out and direct traffic just to get people coordinated yeah. and doing stuff because yeah. you know, everybody turns into a bunch of assholes. I have never experienced something as seamless as this. It was, That's very interesting. It was very cool. And maybe we got lucky, but it seemed like that was kind of the way it's it sounds like that was the 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 design and the layout it was pretty good Uh, much like uh recent rangers games i've gone to have been really easy to get out of it seems like they've got you know the old rangers games when you left it would take yeah you know 20 30 minutes uh just to get 
Yeah, we where you weren't. In we the, we had our we had our parking lot that we went to. It's like I know I can get out of this one. Yeah. pretty quickly, sort of thing. Now it seems like they have everything routed the right way. And I think I remember reading that when they were building the new one that they, they uh, put a lot of effort into s- situating parking and ingress and egress and all that yeah. good stuff. Yeah, and it shows. But that was the best concert experience I've ever had, as far as that goes. Okay. So, How about the concert itself? It was amazing. Amazing. Um, there's just something about taking your kid to something that they're head over heels they're about. They're excited about. Yeah. I mean, I was excited, too. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan, obviously, but I'm a, I'm a fan. And my my kid just sang every song like he wrote it, you know. He's just so happy to be there. Was, Very cool. It was awesome. Um, and I, here's my old man fuss for a second. Okay. <laughs> it was a girl sitting in front of us, like just two rows in front of us. Um, concert was sold out, but the two seats in front of us, there wasn't nobody ever showed up. So, um, girl, two seats in front of us on her phone. I'm not exaggerating the entire concert. Like, Snapchatting, taking selfies, sending videos of her and her girlfriend, singing along to the song. She was recording the concert, recording herself, taking, I mean, just, and I was just like, why did you even come here? That surprises you how? I don't know. It doesn't surprise me. It's just, I feel like the grumpy old man that I know I'm going to become, or I already am. (laughs) And I was just like... What are you doing? Like, somebody's going to ask that girl, how was the concert? And she's going to have to go back and look at her Snapchat to even realize. Uh, it's just a maybe. different... It's just a different... Maybe. It's, yeah. It's a, it's, 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 it's a different thing. It's a different generation. And I'm not, I'm not excusing it. I, mean, I don't want it to sound that way. But I, ha- I have uh, less negative thoughts about... A girl, a young, mm-hmm. a younger person that went that route than somebody our age that kind of does that well, yeah. crap. Well, yeah, I mean it's more excusable. But actually, the, the people our age do it with their iPad and block the view yeah. of everybody. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, one thing that was interesting too. There was a slow song, and everybody pulled out their phone. That's how they do the and put their light on. Yeah, yeah. and it was crazy how bright that stadium got with everybody. I mean, because everybody has a phone. Sure, sure. Um, it, well, if they if they allow it, sure. Yeah, yeah, I went to I went to a Jack White show where they made us do the phones in the uh, in the bag. Thing. I like that. I like. Uh, that. Oh, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I went to see uh, Rogan when he performed at Dickie's Arena, and they did that. And they gave you the bag, but the bag was sealed, so you still were in possession of your phone. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but it was cool, and and everybody was present. You know. Um, and the other cool thing was, like he said, nobody can record our shit, so we can say whatever we want. <laughs> he goes, you can't cancel me if you can't prove it. Right, right. So it was pretty cool. But I don't know. I mean, I I know it's just a, a generational thing, but it seems to me like it's almost, you know, the, the Pixar didn't happen, you know, that comment all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, how many pictures do you need? How many videos do you need? How much how much proof do you need that it happened? Yeah. You know, it's almost like somebody's just trying to show off that they're at the concert, you know. 
Well, again, I think I think in our generation it it gets somewhat show offy. In the younger mm-hmm. generation, that I mean, that's just that's just what they're used to. That's their culture for lack for lack of. A, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm not disagreeing with it. It's like eh, that's a different world from mine. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too far into it. She I mean, probably drives a jeep with about fifteen ducks on the dash. <laughs> My my first <laughs> <laughs> real exposure to it, uh, <laughs> sorry, was when we went. Uh, yeah, so that's another flashback <laughs> reference. Last week's episode, uh-huh. we we do a lot of those. Uh, my first exposure to the uh, the younger generation social media culture uh, was when I took the kids to New York, and my daughters each were very adamant about going to some very specific spots. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Oh, okay. Why are, why are we going? Well, I just want to go. Just want to go. And each of them did their, and this was on, this was on the front end of Instagram. Yeah. And each one of them spent like five minutes there. And all, all they wanted to do was take, take a, take a selfie, take a selfie there specifically. Yeah. And I couldn't relate to it. It's like, we got to go see Lambo. He just messaged us. He's in town. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go see Lambo in central park. No, I got to go here. No, we're going to see Lambo. <laughs> but, and the one picture I remember from your New York trip was you with the naked cowboy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that came up. I, I guess it was on a memory. Not too it long was, ago. it was a memory fair, fairly recently mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So, those, that was a, that was an interesting trip. Boston, New York, Niagara Falls. Oh, you went to Boston as well. Yeah, that was actually that was the core trip. Yeah, it was Jessica's twenty first birthday, mm-hmm. and she wanted to go to Fenway Park and watch the Red Sox. And very cool. So the grandparents came into town. And How we, was that? What was that experience like going to Fenway? Oh, come on. I mean, I don't know. It's, I ask out of it's absolute very, no, it's, ignorance. It's as cool as you'd expect it. Can to you be. just can you just feel? You can the, you the you, history? you can feel the history of yeah. that park. No, yeah. it, it's it's genuine baseball. But I mean, I've always I'm not a Red Sox fan. I don't want that to come across. I'm generally speaking not an American League fan. I have no choice with the Rangers though. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. a Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I'm a Cardinals fan uh, from way back and a Braves fan from mm-hmm. pretty well back and de- definitely. Uh, the you know nationally was was my uh, was my jam, mm-hmm. uh, but the one thing I've always said is probably the Red Sox fans and the Cardinals fans are probably the most cognizant of the history of baseball and some of the smartest fan bases about baseball across the board. Don't get me wrong; they're smart fans, and I think you'd be surprised, but. I mean, there's there's historians throughout. That, that's what I'm. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. where in, in in yes, there's there's baseball nerds that get the love of the game. And Spe- speaking of which, you know our buddy Caleb, who's been on the podcast she, multiple times. Yeah, he is the biggest baseball he, nerd. He's, he's the big. He's the biggest baseball nerd I've ever met. You know, so. one of his hobbies, he paints dead baseball players. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's bad, isn't it? <laughs> and like I said, there, it uh, it applies to every club. Every club has fans that know the game. I'm not yeah. saying they don't. What I'm saying is, on a per capita basis, Red Sox fans are probably near the t- the top group. Hmm. Generally speaking, if you're talking with Red Sox fans, they know the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the other fan bases 
might be just more of the oh yeah that that that's what's showing up on Instagram this week yeah sort of thing but, but when you were in Boston let's bring this back to bikes did you sure. see a lot of cycling there did you see any trailheads they, did you uh, they 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 have a pretty strong messenger scene there like yeah. New York yeah. uh, at the time they did anyway I good bike lane presence. <sighs> I'm trying to remember that level of specificity, and mm-hmm. I and I don't recall it. I re- I recall uh, Boston being very New Yorkish, where the messengers were just riding the streets, yeah, and wrong way on the sidewalks when needed, so forth, and all that oh, good stuff. You are an angel, and he's not talking to me, people. No, I'm talking to my beautiful wife. Hi, guys. Hello, Paula. Golly. Thank you. You're welcome. You can leave that open if you want. Okay. We're too noisy. Oh, yeah, we're way too noisy. Um, I asked that because one of um, one of my friends that I met through... This is not going to end well, Luna. One of my friends that I met at uh, Single Speed Worlds back in 2009 in Durango, Tom Parsons, uh, ex-pro. Um, he shoots a lot of video. He's from Boston, and uh, he drives a Fosta. Or he used to. Okay. I, I think he might still. Um, but uh, he was always, they put on a lot of good rides up there that I just was able to witness via social media. Okay. Um, and it seems like they have a good scene up there. Dang it, that's so loud. Yep. And a good single speed scene too. Luna, get out of here. Come on. Come on. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. My dogs just feel like they have to be part of the podcast. Hello, sweetie. Such a pretty girl. At least they're not vocal. But it seems like they have a really... I mean, I think, you know, when you have a city that's that big, you're going to have a cycling scene, hopefully, you know. Um, But it seemed like they had a pretty good off-road scene as well. But when I think of Boston, I've never been there. Mm-hmm. But but I think of a major metropolitan area that's mostly concrete, you know. But they put on a lot of good rides that I was able to, you know, to see, like I said. It, 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 it's funny you say that. My experience dur- during that cross-country trip is, was the... So, you know, I mean, we've got the, the, the Texas concrete jungle is real. It's basically a concrete triangle from here. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. From here to Austin to San Antonio and over to Houston. Mm-hmm. And, man, it's, it's like we were talking about. It's a four-sided our, triangle? Well, I mean, it's a triangle. Austin to <laughs> San Antonio. That's a line. Oh, no, I'm just fucking <laughs> And, uh. And uh, now you go and throw me. But it was like you were you were talking about on our way to Oklahoma, and as we're rolling through Sherman and Denison and mm-hmm. parts of Oklahoma, it's like it all just looks the same. Yeah, you can't tell if you're in Euless or if you're in Durant, Oklahoma, or whatever. You know. Yeah, it's like there's a package deal. It's like okay, the population is. 45,000. Okay, they need a this store, mm. this store, this so store. It's, yeah, it's this it's the suburban sprawl. Yeah. So when we did our road trip through I mean, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington DC, mm-hmm. uh up to Boston, uh 
New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Niagara Falls. Um, once you got out of Boston proper, once you got past Baltimore, once you got out of New York City, mm-hmm. it wasn't long before you were in the woods. Yeah. It was it was really kind of interesting. Yeah. There, there didn't seem to be the suburban sprawl up in the Northeast like we have. Did you go through Vermont? I don't think we may have clipped the edge of it somewhere along the way. I don't think we... I don't, I don't know why, but Vermont has, has been on my radar for decade plus. I just have this calling. I want to go to Vermont. I, I don't hear, even know why. I hear good things about it from that's, an outdoors perspective. That's all I hear. Yep. And everybody I've ever met I think met it's the Arkansas Vermont. of the Northeast. Mm. Everybody I've ever met from Vermont's just super kick-ass too. So, no, let's let's road trip to Vermont next year. <laughs> I want, I want to go. I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but the two places that I can't get out of my head that I want to go to are Japan, okay, and Vermont. <laughs> I know they're completely different. One's different for category. food, one's for outdoors, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, but I want to go to Japan for everything, culture. Okay. Architecture, like just see how a city that big operates as as cleanly and as which, smoothly which, as it which does. Which city are you referring to? Tokyo? Or? Well, I want to go to Tokyo, but I want to go to Kyoto. I want to. Okay. I I, I want to go to a lot of places, and I, I would love to just move to Japan for six months or a year. But two years, it'd take two years. Yeah, I mean, well, ideally, yeah, I would love. <laughs> no, I mean, no that, 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 that's what I'm saying, yeah. dude. To to truly acclimate to something like yeah. that. Yeah, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would that's the first thing I would do is book a ticket book a ticket to Japan. I'm not anti Japan, but hasn't nah, that mm. that one hasn't really drawn. Now, I could I mean, do, I could do Italy for a couple. I mean, of I'm years. yeah, I'm a travel bug anyways. I want I the truth of the matter is I want to go everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, like, that's like the we thing. were talking about when we were scouting the other day. I just want to see stuff I haven't seen before. Very much so. I feel like uh, w- when you're playing a video game as a kid, you know, and you go to the edge of the map, and then and then all of a sudden it populates, and you're like, oh, there's more shit over here. It's the same thing. Like, once you've seen something, you can kind of form a better picture, you know. I mean, I just love exploring. And, I, want, I mean, I want to go. We went to Paris, and it was... I mean, I had no clue what to expect, mm-hmm. except for you have this picture in your head, and then all of a sudden you get to fill in all the blanks, and you're like, oh, that's what Paris is like. But that's only my experience right. of what Paris is right. like. You know, I'd love to spend time in Italy and Spain and France, at southern part of France, and, you know. I've always said I'd love to do New York City for a couple of years uh, and mm-hmm. get dialed. I, I, I would... Mm-hmm. I would. I'm pretty sure I would be into it, but that may have changed because I would turn into a murderer. <laughs> I do not want to be around that many people that are that rude and disgruntled with life. Um, that was that has not been my experience when I'm in New York. Hmm. That that's a totally different. Yeah, we we could go. See, I lived in San Francisco um, for a brief stint and skateboarded there and everything, and kind of got adapted to the culture there and. I went up to visit L.A. and I was like, "Fuck this place! It's yeah. a completely different animal." Yeah, you know? and I hear New York is like L.A. You know, on steroids as far as just people being full of themselves and you know. So my first trip to New York, early '90s. Uh, I mean, I fell in love with it. Um, it. It was. I mean, it was like it was just everything right out of the 70s gritty movies that I that I loved and it, it fit the stereotype but the people weren't not the stereotypical 
New York people are fantastic as long as you don't slow them down. If, yeah. you, if you don't get in their way, man, everything flows smoothly. It's well, re- it's really cool. I'm the same way too. As long as you don't slow me down, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, and that I mean that's New York. That was New York in a nutshell, and everything was very very. Um, it's a huge city, but every every street is its own neighborhood, its own personality. Yeah. It wasn't Applebee's and yeah. Domino's and all that. Yeah. You know, right. So it was really cool. Times Square was gritty, but there some of the, like the Disney store had popped in and stuff like that. Yeah. But that last trip we came back, it was like New York was all sterilized. It yeah. was really weird. Well, Gi- Giuliani did a, a big campaign of cleaning up uh, Times Square and all that, right? Yeah. yeah. And they, they kind of commercialized it and yeah, turned it they into... Ver- they very much commercialized yeah. it. It, it. It was like South Lake Town Square aren't just yeah. to, you know... The blown biggest, out yeah, yeah yeah and uh it was my understanding that new yorkers were really disgruntled about that but then the crime rate started going down and and i think new yorkers even native new yorkers started to kind of embrace they, uh, they bought into that concept yeah. that's what that, that seems to be what i understood but i could be wrong uh, uh, that that sounds plausible sounds yeah. sounds about right and i think you know i think a, i think a lot of it is, is related to just Speaking of travel, let's talk about bikes. Let's. We took the the Subaru out last week. That we did. Got her a little dirty. She looks so good with some dirt on her ass. <laughs> did you see that picture I posted? I did. I just got out and when we were checking out that, that crossing or whatever, and I just looked up and I was like, damn, this thing looks good with a coat of dirt on it. But also saw it in the driveway, cleaned up. Still looks good. Mostly cleaned up. Mostly cleaned up. So I did not even understand um, how cool that was going to be. Granted, it was spotted. The the places we saw, like the old schoolhouse location, um, and then a couple of um, suspected uh, wagon crossing spots with creeks and stuff like that, Um, you know, I don't know how much we discussed what the route actually entailed on the podcast versus what we discussed in the car. I don't think but, we've talked about it at all on the podcast yet because we were talking about going west when we talked on the podcast. That's right. That's we, right. So basically, you made the call of, are we going, where are we going? Yeah, we tried to dodge the weather, we, but it didn't we, work we, out. We didn't succeed at that. Yeah. So uh, just to give a quick overview snapshot for those who are listening going, what the hell is he talking about? Uh, Brad and I, you heard us on last week's episode talking about going exploring if his schedule freed up, and it did. And uh, we opted to roll through Oklahoma and scout uh, the Butterfield Overland stagecoach route in Oklahoma. We started in roughly, we started in Texas following it, but we were really shooting to start from Denison and head as far towards Fort Smith, Arkansas as we could on a route that I had sketched out that's based on the uh, the Overland Mail Company's stage route that is the classic Western Wells Fargo stagecoaches and, and all that. And uh, that's what we ended up following, trying to dodge the rain, but we didn't succeed at that. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really encounter any heavy rain. It just kind of pissed on us all day, pretty much all, off and on. Pretty much all day, but it was a really told me was those roads handle those roads handle it fine yeah yeah 
Um, I, and I didn't see any washouts or anything. Um, maybe a couple. I, I don't remember anything. I mean, obviously, if there's torrential rains or something like that, sure, it, it'll happen. But yeah, sure. just, I mean, yeah, there were there was all those roads were in really good shape. Not just from that rain, it was obvious that they handle stuff fine because we covered. And we found some cool stuff too. Some that section up by what was it Pittsburgh? Is yep, it Pittsburgh. Yep, that was freaking cool. Um, great vistas. I mean, some some true well, not true elevation, but compared to around here, you get up a little bit and you can see a long way. You ways. can see a long way. And we saw some good colors. I mean, the, we've been treated to an extended fall this year. Yes. You know? Yes. And so. Um, the changing of the leaves has actually gone on a lot longer than historically. <laughs> um, it's odd that there's still leaves in the tree, still even green leaves mm-hmm. in the tree in December. So one more cold snap, we'll oh, yeah. take care of that. Yeah. Um, but I was I was enamored with the historical because I didn't I never contemplated any of that stuff. Uh, I was not a good student when I was in school so I didn't pay attention and I don't even know that we discussed that I don't know if that was even in the curriculum the Wells Fargo the Butterfield Overland route you know I mean like you explained it was a a short blip in history you know it, it lasted for what like 18 months you said yeah give or take two, I mean, two, two years on the outside yeah. yeah so I mean but it morphed from something to that you know it was probably a a a route that was traveled by stagecoaches and then all of a sudden it's like well let's just put in a little bit more infrastructure and make it the mail route Mm -hmm. and then once when that kind of went away was kind of dismantled by the the railroads right as as far as the intended commercial use of it kind of sort of yeah and but make no mistake the 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 trail was still there. The roads were still there. So right, that's it, what I'm saying. It, 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 then it morphed into it, something yeah, else. Yeah, it, it just morphed into the ba- basic infrastructure of the yeah. land. And then when more people started to settle, it got traveled more, and then they probably felt the need to like armor it, maybe you know, and more bridges, more bridges. And, 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 yeah, and, and, and it just towns t- popped up along the way for resupply yeah. and everything right, else, right? Like that. Like you, we stopped and checked out. Um, or you pointed out a couple of different outposts. What would you call them? Is it outposts? Stations. Stations, yeah. Where people would have done resupplies and there would have been like a general store. You could trade pelts yeah, or ba- whatever. So ba- yeah, basically a station master would, that's that's where the uh, stagecoach, that, that's, where, that's where they would stop. They would trade horses, trade mules for the mm-hmm. next leg. Uh, everybody would get a meal there, mm-hmm. maybe sleep. Uh, sort of thing so that was like part of the support of the trip itself for the for the for the I think they had did, did people do their own stagecoach repairs or do you think they had someone at, at a station that would do stagecoach repairs I, I mean, mean obvi- obviously if you break down in the middle of the trail you got you got to keep going one way or another yeah. uh, my guess would be the stations would probably have some repair well. supplies or yeah. maybe even a backup stagecoach or something like that mm. potentially hmm. uh obvi- and then i mean the stations that's where the people from that area they would drop off their mail to be picked up and t- you know put into the p- 
put into circulation or whatever right. else. Oh, you're headed west. Carry this letter to Mary yeah. Jo. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I don't ever contemplate those times and, and what all transpired in that era. It's it's a fun thought process. It's 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 really interesting. It's really fascinating. And you know, when you're going the the you know the route we took i mean we parallel or use the same roads as much as we possibly can and there were some extended stretches where we were like that uh through that wildlife management area that Mm -hmm. we went that was all that that whole road it was like 20 miles of it that was all the old stage yeah uh pass there yeah sort of thing um so there's lots of it that we're we're on the the exact same stretch of road that they used but there's others where, hey, it became Highway 69, yeah. and you know we're not going to send riders down that, but we'll approximate it, right? A couple miles Trying east or west it. of it, or yeah, yeah. That's yeah. uh like the the Natchez Trace is this same thing. Like it started out as a as a path. Um, I think that they would float down the Mississippi River and end up in Natchez, uh, and then hop out and make their way all the way back up to Tennessee and resupply and float back down. And so I think that's how the, the trace started, but sounds about right. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Cause I had intentions at one point of, cause the, the actual trace, what the, what is paved now parallels the old trace because they came in and put like, you know, road and pylons mm-hmm. and everything else. And so you can still see the trace, uh, and it's much like the stuff we talked about, where it's like cut in, and it's got a flat bed, um, but a lot of cut ins. Uh, you feel kind of like you're in a tunnel. A lot of it. Yep, a but, canopy. Yeah, and and I was gonna try to ride some stretches of it, but it, I mean, you'd need a fat bike in weeks, you know. Um, but it was just cool to be like. To get on a road and know that it's been there for 200 years, you know, or whatever, is just overwhelming almost. So, and then when you, you know, when when you when you're on it, particularly on a bicycle, and you know you've got a town in 20 miles with a convenience store, and yeah, you know you you can get some donuts and a yeah. coffee or whatever. Yeah, just just to think about the people that were. Bouncing around in a buckboard. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I think about that so much. Like you know, these people didn't have Garmin navigation, and they didn't even know. There were, I, I can't imagine there was mile markers and shit. So they're just like, well, we probably got about four more hours till we get to the outpost. You know, they're eating on a piece of bread that was cooked three days ago, right? And, you know, drinking some water that was pulled out of a puddle. You know. I can't. That's hardy times, man. It, it, we've become so soft as a society. <laughs> the people that that went through all of that stuff—it's just it's a different breed. But it's the—I mean, it's it's all they knew. Yeah. So it, 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 it wasn't hard for them. It's it's just well, what we do. True. That's true. It's just what we do. Kind of kind of goes back to you know some of the places we saw along the way, and you were like. How do people live like this? Yeah. We went through some poverty level areas. Oh my god! Along this route, yeah. And it's like you know, a lot of these people they just don't know any different. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, let, not being uh, where I'm not sympathetic. I'm not saying it like that. Um, yeah. But a, a lot of people in the, those situations, they, they don't really have anything to compare it to. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it's interesting. Very, 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 very fascinating. And uh, Oklahoma's beautiful, though. I mean, really pretty. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. I, I, and I keep. I I I think uh, Oklahoma has some of the best outdoors there there is to have because there's a little bit of everything. And it's there. relatively untouched compared to Texas. And there's I, more public land too. There, there is. There's one. Anything has more public land than Texas, just yeah. about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma does have still more. And then there, a lot of the Oklahoma land is is Indian Nation, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a. It's not quite public land, but it's it's more open than traditional Texas private lands yeah. sort of thing. So you you you, you get a a grander sense of the outdoors, even through that stuff. Why does Texas have so much private land? Is it, I mean, obviously it's because people bought it. I mean, I get that. That I mean, that was basically the allure to get people to come to Texas, mm-hmm. come to Texas and you'll get, you'll get your land. Yeah. Uh, so it was a lot of people that, you know, their dream was to have acreage or what. Uh, but you have to convert to Christianity. Catholicism. Catholicism. Pretty much everyone was Christian that was coming all, already, yeah. but yeah, yeah, that was part of the, the 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 deal with Mexico. But even after that, I think Republic of Texas itself, even after it had won its independence, they still needed people to come in, and so that was part of the deal. So that's why you know there's the what do they call them century ranches or whatever whatever uh, in further south in the state, basically. To get people to come in, they'd say, well, if you come here and you put up a fence within a year, mm-hmm. uh, all everything you can fence is yours. So but basically what people did is put up <coughs> piles of rock as their fence lines. And mm-hmm. over time... <coughs> Shit, I'm sorry. That's all right. Over, yeah. over time, uh, that's when barbed wire kicked in and it's like well we can put up barbed wire fences a lot faster, a lot faster yeah. and we can put up rock fences yeah and uh that was i mean that's when texas got all fenced in is basically the advent of barbed wire don't fence me in so yeah hmm i really that's uh, the other thing is the older i get the more i'm interested in history and i used to think well these history nerds but i mean it's just it's fascinating it, the 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 sense of perspective it gives but also the the sense of there's nothing new under the sun sort of thing even whatever trials and tribulations we might be going through right now that might seem unique or out of the ordinary thing hmm that's a people thing we've been doing it that way you know, we, yeah we've been going through those spells over and over and over for yeah it's cyclical. Hundreds and thousands of years. Cyclical. Sort of thing. Yeah. So. So what's new in cycling? What is new in cycling? I honestly don't know. I've been way too caught up in in the scouting stuff the past several days. Because even after, you know, what, we knocked out 150 miles of the 
250 mile route. I even convinced my wife to go help me finish it off over the weekend, so we knocked it all out. Was, was she um, as upset as you anticipated? <sighs> she was pissed at you. At me? Yeah, it's all your fault. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jan, I, Jan, I hope you're listening. I had nothing to do with it. Well, you you really pissed her off because she, she went to switch back over to her phone, and she why is Brad's phone programmed into my car? It wasn't. It was. I thought I had specifically tried not to do that. No, remember, you tried to do the, you tried to show me that the ride with GPS would come up with Apple and not on Android. Oh, I thought I just did that through a tether. Hmm. You said, well, it's all good. It's yeah. all good. But, yeah, so we finished, we finished knocking out the whole route. I uh, got that one little gap there right where you and I turned around mm-hmm. that we need to flesh out. We turned around in McAllister, right? That sounds right. No, yeah. not McAllister, but it was a, a similar, not McAllister, no. We made it to McAllister, though. I think we went through it at one point, but uh, it was, I think it was a town that started with an H. It was two towns right next to each other that started with H's mm. and, and uh, turned around there. And then when that's where Jan and I picked it up from there, and that was our first. I tried to send her down a mud road that she was not comfortable with. Oh, she was driving. She, oh, I had no choice in the matter. Yeah, I had no choice in the matter. And uh, but uh, she was very, she was very excited by what what her new car could do, and yeah. uh, it did very well. That thing's impressive. It it did it, it, it did it did a great job. Uncomfortable. I will say though, twelve hours in that seat was a lot on, it, on my, I, my I, rear end. I agree. I think the, I think the bottoms of those seats are a tad thin. Yeah, yeah. I, um, but overall, I mean, comfort, amenities, like fit, everything was it was nice. And I, I we accidentally got a better sense of what it could do uh in the ozark in arkansas on saturday night we took a wrong turn and uh had to get very creative with the outback to back up a road we shouldn't have gone down yeah and uh, that jan was driving once again i i had to drive us out but she drove us in oh, okay and she was not comfortable backing up this particular road mm-hmm. and i don't blame her i was uncomfortable backing up it but we didn't have any choice in the matter yeah and it did man, you guys get to a dead end or just a spot that you weren't comfortable going through or it uh, wasn't going to get any better it was it was definitely it was getting worse by the second and mm-hmm. it obviously wasn't going to get better and it looked like there was about to be a big hole that there you know, it was like we might get down it but we'll never get back up it mm-hmm. sort of thing and there was no turnaround yeah and Basically, it was the property where we had a cabin rented, and the directions to the cabin were wrong. So we basically, I think, I think it was a kayak launch we went down, but it was like down the side of a mountain. Oh shit! And uh, so we started to go down it, and it's like this ain't gonna work. This was at night. Just, or? just after. I mean, it was getting dark by the second sort yeah. of thing. So that adds to the yeah. discomfort level. Yeah, the intensity. Yeah. You know, she, Jan, Jan was like, "Hey, well, let's let's figure this out. Let's f- see." It's like, "No, we're running out of daylight, sweetie. We got to do something now." Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I mean, it it backed up like a champ. It did. 
Yeah, I was very, I was super duper impressed. We, we'd had a similar trip when we first got the Jeep where we took it to an off-road park to, to try it out like the first weekend we had it. Mm-hmm. And it was out towards, uh, out past Wichita Falls, out towards Copper Can- uh, no, Copper Break State Park. Mm-hmm. Just some crazy terrain that we got in the middle of that we weren't expecting. And we found out the Jeep's limitations very quickly. It's like, this isn't like my old small Jeeps that could just scoot up stuff like this. This is a right. much bigger Jeep that you got to... Yeah, it articulates yeah. different. Yeah. And uh, so we learned in that situation, we learned what the Jeep couldn't do or we, we wouldn't be comfortable putting it into. This one was the opposite of that. It's like... Good God, we can do about anything with this Subaru as long as as long as we can get the front bumper over it, it'll be fine. Yeah, and that's a real that's re- that's really a good gate too. It's like oh, front bumper's not making it. We're not going there. Yeah, <laughs> and you have a camera on the front bumper, so we you can, do have a you camera. Can change that view so you can see even if you can't see over the hood. Yep, yep, yep. That's pretty cool. It was it was it was very cool, and we man uh, found some. S- Stuff in those, Oz- I'd never been in those, I think it's Ozark St. Francis National Forest, east of Fort Smith. Hmm. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So we're going to be doing a spinistry something out there. I'm trying to think well. of where that is. Um, I mean, we were basically 50 miles east of Fort Smith. It's probably 70, uh, probably another 50 to 70 miles northeast of Mina. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that on is that north of i-40 is that kind of uh where arkansas high country route is it goes through parts of it yeah okay yeah, yeah. that's, that's a, like the south part of the arkansas high country stuff okay yeah 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 huh that's a pretty country up there man. it's absolutely it's absolutely gorgeous absolutely amazing i'm looking forward to dialing something in yeah there that so you say weather's always a factor yes here but in that area weather it's it can flip on a dime up there more so than here. Um, and the temperature swings are real big there too. Okay. So it's a interesting. It, it was, abs- it was absolutely amazingly gorgeous up there this yeah. past weekend. It got a little chilly at night, Saturday night. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, not bad, but yeah. it's nothing for it to be freezing there at night and then be 75. 70, during the day, right. Right. Know? It was, it was an absolutely gorgeous day <laughs> on sunday well on saturday too so uh it was uh but uh so lots of cool oklahoma and arkansas stuff coming for new routes that we're we're looking forward to and uh we'll, we'll be flushing out the texas butterfield stuff too but that's a that's a different polo axe but i tell you what the post i did talking about us doing that route it was mm-hmm. just a little blurb with the the map picture on it mm-hmm. that's the most viral post of any kind i've ever had on our facebook page really it's i mean i it's a lot of i saw josh dean's comment it's a lot of <clears throat> uh what i think are non-cyclists that mm-hmm. started sharing it around and spreading it around probably locals throughout oklahoma and people that are historically oriented that mm-hmm. are i mean uh, it's 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 prob it's probably been shared like 150 200 times. Usually, if I get a post shared five or six times, that's a lot of sharing, sort of thing. Oh, that's wild. Did so, anybody offer up any resources or anything? Uh, not specifically. <clears throat> they 
to that level yet, but lots of people gave recommendations or, well, here, you know, my family owns this piece of land that it goes right by, stop in and say hello, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, so it, I think, uh, I think there's potentially some, uh, some relationships that might get established from this. Very cool. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Excuse me. And it just really, it really surprised me that the Oklahoma stretch got that much attention. Yeah. Whereas when, you know, we've talked about our Texas Butterfield stuff for the past couple of years and it, it has, you know, but evidently there's probably some sort of pride associated with that stretch up there. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of their history. Sure. You know. Sure. How about you? Do you have any bicycle news or anything that tickled your fancy over the past week? I put new bar tape on my Fargo. I'm excited about that. <laughs> Which bar tape did you did you go uh, with? I forgot what it's called. Cyclation? Cyclation? Cycle, uh, I don't know. What's different about it? What's special about it? Um, well, I run, I run double on my Fargo just for comfort, but I actually run uh, on the drop section. I run ESI chunkies, the mm -hmm. extra longs that go all the way up to the hoods, and then above the hoods, uh, I run uh, another silicone tape, and then this tape is is. Uh, I want to say rubberized, um, but it weathers really well. It like a it doesn't have adhesive on the back, so you can unwrap and wrap as many times as you want, and it doesn't tear itself up. And it also has a it has uh, like raised bumps on it that on the width of the tape is about two thirds of the width, so it helps you wrap your bars perfect. Not perfect, but it just gives you kind of a, uh, I don't know, a, a line gauge or whatever to keep wrapping mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, at the right. And then it just weathers really well. Like the bar tape that I replaced was probably two years old, which is a lot for bar tape. Sure. Um, and it was just time. It was peeling and everything else. But... Um, just it's nice to have fresh bar tape it's like putting new tires on you it know? is like, it just excites you and then uh back to cody johnson we drove home that night we got back at a little after 2 a.m and my alarm went off at 7 and it was 34 degrees we got up had a cup of coffee and got dressed and rode over to South Lakes Park, which is not far from here, especially with all the shortcuts and stuff I can take through back roads and construction zones and all that. Rode over there and helped uh, Caleb work on that. We were building a berm, uh, and that came together astoundingly quick. It was fun. Uh, they Denton supplied riprap, uh, like three, four-inch plus size rock, and they had a, a skid loader out there and an operator. And so we kind of directed where to put, and then we restacked. Um, and conveniently, the skid loader broke after the very last <laughs> load of riprap was placed, which if it was going to break, that was the best time for sure, it to break. Sure, sure. And then they also supplied us with, I don't even know what you call it. It's a powered wheelbarrow. Yeah. 
so it's on tracks and you it's you stand on it and it operates like a, a, a zero turn lawnmower you know you've got two levers and you push both of them forward to go forward you can I mean, you can literally 360 in place because you can spin one track backwards and one track forward. And then it, the bucket's powered. Um, I think it's used for putting concrete in remote locations a lot of times. But we used it to uh, move topsoil and clay and gravel and kind of go over the, the berm and pack it into all the cracks to kind of cement it in place. Um, so I shoveled more than I've shoveled in the last eight years <laughs> and uh woke up the next morning a little tender yeah you so, felt it did you yeah um but it was cool to see you know we had the five people there um and in the span of about six hours we had a f- like fully operational berm um pretty cool pretty cool and, and a pretty sizable berm probably three three foot tall so are, are these trails rideable yet and this is an oh, addition yeah. okay so yeah but, f- they're fill not us, beat fill, in they're not fill, beat fill in. us in on what we're talking about here where it is and what, what what it's about at the moment and where it's going so it's it's right off of hobson is one of the main entrances to the park um there's there's concrete path through there but there's also um there's some uh hiking path that's crushed granite that's like the main loop and then off of that has been, um, I think they just started as foot trails. Uh, they probably started as game trails, honestly. Um, and they've morphed into really good biking paths. Uh, almost, I mean, we've been incorporating them into rambles for years. And going through that section, just you know, throwing them into a route. It's nothing that I would drive to to ride, but, um, and we, there was a meeting with the city years ago up at Velo when we were talking about, you know, the city wants to expand all the trails and we kind of offered up, well, we know, you know, we've identified a bunch of trails that are questionable that could use some work and they could be incorporated into an overall system and you know basically you know Denton's looking to add mileage and we offered up well look we can get you bonus miles for a lot less money and basically you can stack miles a lot quicker so it's been kind of cool working working with the city and building legal trails you know (laughs) but um uh, there was, like I said, there was a lot of trails that were already there. Uh, some of them were real spider webbed out. And basically what we've done is, and I say we, Caleb's done m- most of the legwork, uh, most of all the mapping and, and everything. But incorporating some of the existing trails and cutting new trails to kind of give it a more cohesive feel. Um, and then we went through and uh, flagged. Uh, and kind of avoided all the major trees and and then went through and cut a swath uh, just so you could walk through. And then we had multiple work days for actual clearing and cleaning out all the... There's so much privet and just honey locust and just nastiness in there that just makes it hard to get through there quickly. Um, But now we're at the point where we're trying to smooth out the trail 
trying to put in that, you know, infrastructure like berms and um, armoring and drainage and all that stuff. Um, and now it's prime time to sure, to work sure. on trail. So how, how much trail is out there right now? <sighs> I think we started with maybe a mile and a half, two miles, maybe. And I think the goal is to get about five miles okay. out of it. Um, once again, it's a small little park. Sure. But um, the cool thing is there was kind of a seedy part of the trail um, where there was you know, homeless and stuff like that. Not that we want to make the homeless even more homeless, but it just, it makes people less likely to use the trail if there's a perceived danger element. So, um, much like Boulder back in the day, you know, once they start expanding the trail and taking care of the trail, it kind of chased that element out somewhat. Um, so it's been nice just to see that trail kind of get new life breathed into it because it, it kind of happened organically over the years, at least that's my understanding. And now there's kind of a focus on it and it's turning into, I think it's going to be a fun trail and there's not going to be major features or anything like that. It's going to be a good neighborhood trail. Somewhere to pedal your bike. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's easy to get to, uh, especially from Denton. So that's why it's thrown into the mix when we ramble a lot, especially on, what we call TNBG nights when trails are closed or um, like North Shore and stuff like that's closed. Uh, we can still ride through there and we can touch it and see. And it's also a good barometer of what other trails are doing sure. as well. Sure. Um, and then there's, there's other stuff in the works too, uh, where Hilltop is joining up with hickory creek how all that's being bypassed where they're building that bridge that's coming in all that's going to be city park underneath it and we're in discussions with the city of cutting trail there as well so just trying to i mean anytime you can put a mile or two of trail in that's close to a bunch of roofs Mm -hmm. you're going to encourage people to get outdoors you know people are going to walk more people are going to hike more but hopefully people are going to bike more, you know, and uh, yeah, a concrete path is great. That's going to, you know, get somebody on a road bike or a hybrid bike or whatever. But I really want people to dip their toes into riding dirt, you know, and I, I feel like, you know, we all started, well, we didn't all, but in my mind, I started riding trails behind my house when I lived in Louisiana on a, BMX bike, you know, and that's why I'm so in love with the single speed aspect because that's all I rode growing up was a BMX and you either rode it or you got off and walked it and they were all hunting trails, hiking trails and stuff like that. But that's really where my fascination with my love of riding dirt came from. And it was just happenstance. It just happened to be out my back door. And I, I think the more we facilitate that the better we can grow the cycling community at least locally you know and hopefully that spreads you know the butterfly effect if you will you know more dirt equals more riders equal equals more passion equals more industry and it just everything so i mean there's there, there's no doubt that the the key to growing cycling is safe places to ride Mm -hmm. and 
you know, we're 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 past the point of people being able to expect, particularly around here anyway, but probably in most parts of the country. Uh, if you're in an urban or a suburban area, it's it's not going to get safer to ride a bike on the streets. It's just not going to. No. It's not happening. I don't care what how many bike lane projects you come up with. Um, it's just. There's there's more cars, there's more trucks, there's more distracted drivers now. Distracted drivers is man, that is that drives me insane. It's and it's yeah, it's not it's not getting better. It's and, a plague. I mean, as as much as we can say it shouldn't be that way, the reality is it is. And what's crazy is it, you're aware that it's literally illegal to use a handheld device while you're driving. It's a it's a ticketable offense. Right. Yet 50% of the people you see on the road are on their phone while they're driving. Not with it attached to the dash. No, they're and they're doing they're, this. Yeah, they're doing this. Phone and right in their face, not even not even looking at drives me insane. Yes. I um I agree. I I don't even want to get started on it cuz I'll just go off. But that's um I started years ago um, because I use roads to connect trail, and if it's a busy road and there's distracted riders, I will ride. And I don't. I'm not. I'm not telling everybody to do this. I'm not advocating for it, but I'm just telling you what I do. Like on 377, when I ride between um, Canyon Falls and Knob Hills, I get on the opposite side on the shoulder. So I can see what's coming. Um, and I almost encourage a police officer to harass me for that. Because I'm like, I, I have seen at least three accidents on 377 seen in person where people were on their phone and ran into the back of another vehicle. Um, that road is so so overrun with people that are distracted rider drivers and so my thought process is if i can see them and i can see they're veering over i can at least bail but i can't be looking over my shoulder the whole time i'm riding the road like that and just be in fear and i'm not gonna wear a mirror on my helmet but i also don't think it would do me as much good as it just having my eyes up and seeing what's coming so that's been a constant effort because strictly due to distracted uh, drivers. So, and I, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not, so, I'm not asking you to, I don't, yeah. I don't agree. That's but fair. That's I'm fair. not, I'm not going to argue with it on it. I, 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 I will take this moment to highly promote the Garmin Varia. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. And I do get that, but. But that doesn't tell you, that only tells you that there's a car behind you. That doesn't tell you, I mean, if you're riding on the shoulder of 377, am I not close enough to this thing? I think I think you've moved back some, yeah. you're leaning back. If, if you're riding on the shoulder of 377, for instance, and there's constant traffic on there, so that thing's just going to be bzz, bzz, bzz the whole time, and all it's telling you is there's a car behind you. It's not telling you there's a car coming over the I'm, shoulder. I'm I'm not debating. Yeah, you gave your version. That's fair. I gave my version. Yeah, we'll let everyone else 
decide what's best for them. Oh, I'm sure I'm going to get hammered. I'm an idiot for riding in the opposite direction. Um, but ultimately, I think it's safer. I mean, having a visual cue versus relying on uh, some tech to give you a heads up. Mm-hmm. I, I I understand. I completely understand your point of view. And I love the Varia for like riding remote roads where a car is going to sneak up on you. I like that, you know. Um, I like the Vario with the built-in camera even better. Um, that way you have footage in case something happens. But that's just an insurance policy, you know. Yeah, I don't know how much good that does. Yeah. I'll let you know someday, maybe. Because <laughs> I have footage of mine, but yeah. I don't know how much good it's done us yet. Yeah. We'll find out someday. can't believe you're still fighting that. It's just the process. Yeah. Um, no, I get, I get where you, I get, I totally get where you're coming from and I, and I get your position and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna tell anyone else what they need to give, give, give them their own peace of mind. That's not, that's, that's not for me to say, uh, the, I think we're both on the same page of. We try to minimize our time on those types of roads, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. If if I could find a way to completely get them out of um, my cycling existence, I I would. Well, I, I'm like, I mean, back back to the Butterfield uh, yeah. route that we scouted. Our turnaround point that Jan and I picked up from where you and I left off. I still have to do one more reroute, basically right through that section because where we came out. Uh, uh, onto the we were supposed to do the route itself was supposed to do a couple miles on a highway ish, a higher speed road, and uh, and then pick up like a mile and a half, two miles down the road. And the first three quarters of a mile had a nice wide shoulder, mm-hmm. but then the next mile that shoulder was gone yeah. and it was, it was winding through the foothills yeah. and there was semi traffic coming up and down. It's like, I'm not sending people down that. Yeah. I don't care if it's only three quarters of a mile. That's, that's yeah. not a good situation, but we weren't in a position there to, well, let's double back and find a reroute. No, it's like, no, we're in the car. So we'll yeah. see what the rest of the route looks like. And when I get home, I'll look at the maps and see if I can yeah. find her. So that's what I, I've got a 10 mile stretch, literally almost right in the middle of the route. It's like, I got to redo this and then we'll, and then we're golden. You know how vocal I am and how cognizant I am when we're scouting and we turn out onto a road. I'm like, Ooh, this sucks. And I know you're thinking it, but I'm always like, I would not want to ride on this road, you know? And I just, it, it freaks me out because we, we've known plenty of people that have been hit. Sure. Um, so I like to minimize my exposure to all that. And that's part of the reason that, you know, we ramble the way we do. You know, I, I try, um, we do try to hit every surface when, when we call something a ramble. You know, there's, there's footpath, there's bike path, there's road, there's gravel, there's trail, there's everything. But I do try to minimize how much we touch road. Um, you know, ideally, we just cross roads. As yeah. much as possible. Yeah, yeah I agree. And but it's not always, I mean. Sometimes you got to connect the dots one yep. way or another. But yep. then that that's where, you know, that's where me as a route builder 
mm-hmm. I will forego a glorious section of dirt that you, might be an extra two miles of pavement yeah. on a high-speed road. I'll, I'll, we're not going there. We're, we're going to take this one. But I may still have three-quarters of a mile of high-speed pavement to get yeah. there, but that's better than three miles. Yeah, it's it. a compromise at it best. Is. Yeah, I, I get it. And, and that's and like we've discussed in previous podcasts, that's what makes it so difficult is because so much of our gravel is, has gone away, and as soon as you pave something, it automatically picks up more traffic almost. Um, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Yeah, that's ba- fair. Basically, they don't pave it till there's more traffic out there to begin with. Mm. But yes, once it's paved, then even more comes in. Yeah. So it there's constantly reworks. I get it, but I just oh, Jan and I did find an interesting little corner. You do you remember when we were headed out towards the end when I when you were like well, is this going anywhere do we want to take this turn I said look at these squigglies and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you you know we took a left and you said where does that straight one go mm-hmm. well Jan and I took that straight one okay that was quite interesting and just the weirdest I'm not sure what was going on I don't know if they were hunting camps mm-hmm. if they were um what's the word I'm looking for um What's the word when somebody um, transient? N- no, when they uh, when they move into a house and Gypsies? take no squatters. Squatter. Yeah, I think I think they I think they might have been people squatting on some of that in between land. That is it Indian Nation land or is it Forest Service land or you know how sometimes there's those yeah it's gray area uh, gray area as far as who has jurisdiction there, there there was this stretch of it looked like people just squatting on the land they were like living in campers and b- bigger tent setups but then they had chicken coops fenced in and stuff like mm. and then they had fences all around you know mm. their property or w- where they were staying it was real never seen anything like that before it's not it's where like, you would want to break down Ah, uh, you know, I I think there's I I would be more okay with breaking down there than uh, some parts uh, north northwest of Fort Worth, quite frankly. But we, yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That was a, a similar situation. Remember where you, where we stopped uh, for you to take that phone call, and I got out to uh, yeah, to yeah. water a tree, and then I wandered down the road. Yeah. I don't know. I, I meant to point it out to you, but we immediately started talking about other stuff. I walked down to look at that house um, that was there that was just abandoned. And it was still a complete house, although all the windows had been broken out and stuff. There was definitely signs that someone was squatting there. And ironically, there were I heard chickens as well. Roosters crowing and stuff. So it's funny that you say that, like there was chicken coops. I did not see a coop, but I couldn't see behind the house and everything. And I didn't want to uh, make myself present, really. Uh, So I was just kind of peeping a little bit, but it definitely looked like a squatter situation as well. I think think that might be fairly common in Oklahoma, but Mm. I I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know for sure. Yeah, there's definitely some seedy areas we came across, but and like I said... Oklahoma's beautiful, despite what Mother Nature tries to do to it with tornadoes and then what some of the people choose to do. Just hoarding is not even (laughs) the right term. (laughs) 
I think hoarding is when you collect stuff, right? What's it called when you never get rid of anything? Uh, I think that's hoarding too. Is it? Yeah. Because there's definitely properties we came across and you're like, do these people even take their trash to the street? Yeah. You know, it was, it was, whoo. I mean, don't get me wrong. My house isn't pristine and perfect, but man, we definitely get rid of a lot of stuff. It is, whoo. And uh, my my wife is very sympathetic to your your discomfort around those properties. Yeah. She's she's exactly the same way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm a fan, but yeah, you, both of y'all have the same uh, primitive reaction. Yeah. To, when it's, when you're it's you're visceral. exposed, it's, it's uh, oh, what is? I I I can't help but think like if their yard looks like this. How full is the ashtray? <laughs> I mean, God. Uh, <sighs> you know, but uh, I'm excited about that route, though. I think, um, you know, it. It. I don't know how to how to say this the right way, but I hope that the people that take on that route and and choose to do all of it or a portion of it embrace the history a little bit. Um, and don't just fly by the historical markers. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I'm gonna be collecting FKTs all, along the Butterfield route, sort yeah. of thing. It's like if somebody wants to go out and set an FKT, you go do your own thing. It's not going to be posted on yeah. a spinistry page about it, sort of thing. I think there's there's something um, beautiful about the the history of that route, and just like I said, like you know, it was super. It's going to sound silly, but almost romantic when we stopped on the side of the road to look at that old schoolhouse, that single room schoolhouse, which I'm still unclear whether it was that foundation or the actual building that we went into. I think the foundation was probably the schoolhouse and I the feel building like it was, too. was maybe something that was put up later to reconstruct yeah. it or something yeah. like that. I, I thought the root cellar was the fascinating yes, part. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, I actually went down in there a little bit. It was a little spooky, but um, it was just, you know, it was drizzling rain, and there was uh, vehicles droning by, and you could just see all the strewn rock and stuff. And it was just, to me, there was just something so cool about it. I you mean, know? I, 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 could, I could feel the history coming up through my toes. I yeah. really could. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, if if you're gonna go do some of that route, I, I encourage you to to keep your head up, and look look for the history, because there's a lot of history just peppered through there. You know, it was cool. I I wasn't prepared to be as enamored with it as I was, and I was even to the point where I was discussing it with Paula later, and I was telling her like, I don't even know all this stuff. You know, we we had a pretty good discussion about it. So very cool. cool. So. Kind of awoken another facet of of my interest as far as history goes. Well, that's mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Then I'm glad to hear that. Is this a good time to just go ahead and roll on out? You I'm think? I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Well, thank you. Ride sir. your bike, people. Go ride your bike because it's beautiful out there. Man.